This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, everybody. So glad we can be together again. I have a message here today titled, Not Every Open Door is from God. Perhaps you're facing opportunities right now that you might have thought was sent to you by God to help you in circumstances, help you overcome challenges, and even financial opportunities. I'm going to be sharing such an opportunity that came our way. And it'll stop you, make you think, and ask yourself, is every open door from God or not? All right. Job 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God, referring to angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among the angels. He came to present himself to God as well. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Now God knows exactly where the devil's been. So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Notice what God said about Job, that he is blameless and that he is upright. In other words, Job has no sin in his life. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Now, what kind of hedge would God have put around Job? Obviously, it's a hedge, a hedge of angels. The angels of God seen to encamp around about his children, as found in, in, in Psalm 91, verse 11, and Psalm 34, and verse 7. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. Now watch this. Here's the devil telling God, God, you have blessed the work of Job's hands. And that's not all. And his possessions have increased in the land. So the devil is admitting to God that God blesses and God increases. Wow. <laughs> Even the devil acknowledges that God's blessing on us brings increase. Very interesting. All right. Now let's go down to verse 11. The devil says, to God, now, stretch out your hand and touch all that Job has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. 
Now watch this carefully. God said to the devil, Behold, all that Job has is in your power. Think about that. What does that mean? Some people think it means, Behold, Satan, I'm giving you power over Job. He didn't say that. Some people think it means, Satan, I'm giving you authority over Job. No, he didn't say that. God was merely pointing out to Satan a fact, a fact, a fact of circumstances that Satan never even realized. Behold, all that he has is in your hands. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. In other words, you may not kill Job. But I make, I'm letting you know all that, he ha- all that he has is in your power. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So from that verse, we can clearly see that the devil is now aware that the hedge is gone. God just informed him. He didn't know about it. And so now the devil is going to attack Job, not God. Okay, let's go to verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the sea beans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God, meaning lightning, fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, now this is the third person, one, two, three, like machine gun bullets. The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them all away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, yes, the fourth one. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they all died. They were all dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Now think about that. Here come... It's unbelievable that all this stuff happens like that to Job. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshipped God. He did not curse God. He worshipped God. 21. And Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, 
and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's push pause here for a moment and think about what Job just said. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Is that correct? Is Job right? Obviously he's not. We just learnt that at the beginning of the story, that Satan did not know. The angels were gone. He wasn't aware of it. God pointed that out to him. No, God is not in favor of any of this happening to Job. And God couldn't stop it. It wasn't God who allowed it. It was Job who allowed the devil to do this. I'll show you why in a moment. But going back to that statement of Job, remember this. Everything in the Bible is truly stated. But not everything in the Bible is a statement of truth. What do I mean by that? Well, everything in the Bible is accurately recorded as it happened, perfectly. But people said things that weren't always truthful. All the accusations against Jesus, the accusations against the Apostle Paul, none of those were true. But they were stated, and so they're recorded. We have to rightly discern the Word of God. And unfortunately, you and I know of many ministers of the gospel who have buried little children, two, three, four, five years old, uh, in car wrecks or from some disease, and God's not killing kids that way. And yet the preacher will say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And so many people at that graveside make a decision that day. That's it. I can't trust God. I'm not going to serve him. He's heartless and cruel. So we need to point out that that's not true. That statement is, out, is not correct. 22. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. So, who did all of this? Was it God or the devil? It was the devil. The Lord Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, very well-known scripture to all of us, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. And Jesus said, Satan came to kill, to steal, and destroy. So clearly, that explains it's not God. It's the devil. All right, so how did the devil do this? Let's analyze that now for a moment. Satan used the circumstances. He used people. He used the Sabine Raiders. He used the Chaldean Raiders. He used lightning. And he used the wind to blow the house down. Satan did all of that. He used the elements and people 
To destroy Job's family and possessions? Exactly. So we can see that the devil can open and close doors. Satan has control over the wind, over the weather, the storms, over people who are not born again. Satan is able to use these things to hurt, steal, kill, and destroy. That's why when Jesus calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee, he said, peace, be still. If God had caused that storm, he would not have told the storm to be still. Why did Satan have an open door to attack Job? Well, up until then, Satan had been unable to attack Job. Evidently, he must have tried and was unsuccessful. And shortly before he came to appear before God, Job's circumstances changed. So he took his complaint to God, who then pointed out to the devil that the angels are now gone from Job. So how did Job open the door or remove the angels from protecting him? Let's have a look at Job's words. Job 3.25. Job chapter 3, verse 25. This is what Job said. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I feared has happened to me. So we can see that fear is faith in the devil. If I fear something, that means I believe it's going to hurt me. I believe it's going to hurt me, so I'm afraid of it. If I'm not afraid of it, that means I believe God is protecting me. Whatever I fear can attack my life. Fear opens the door to the devil. That was what happened right here with Job. What is the antidote? What is the cure to fear? Faith is the cure. When faith comes in the front door, fear will go out the back door. All right, Job 3, the very next verse, verse 26 says, Job speaking, Job said, I am not at ease. In other words, I am not at rest. How is that for a confession? I have no peace, I'm not at ease, I'm not at rest. Not a good confession. Now he carries on and says, nor am I quiet. In other words, I have no peace. I have no rest. Why? He says, for trouble comes. Job said, trouble's coming. Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For we who have believed do enter into rest. For we who have believed do enter into rest. So if you are in rest, that means you are in faith. You are believing. If you are not in rest... You are not in faith. Job was in fear, so he wasn't in faith. His final statement was, for trouble comes. Now think about all the trouble Job has already had 
in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. And now we are reading from chapter 3. And Job says, that's not good enough. More trouble's coming. <laughs> you can imagine Job, Job would have said, okay, I've had it with the trouble. No more trouble. But he didn't. He says, okay, more trouble's coming. <laughs> Poor old Job. All right, so here in chapter 3 he says, that's not enough. More trouble's coming. Worse trouble is on the way. So Job was wrong in saying that. And he opened the door to the devil. If we believe what we are saying, it will come to pass, good or bad. You can see that in Mark eleven twenty three, and in Numbers 14, 28, and in Luke 17, verse 6. If we believe what we say, it's coming to pass, whether it's positive or negative. All right, I'm going to tell you a story that I was not able to tell you until today. Something happened 22 years ago, which I have not shared. This is the first time I'm sharing it. And I believe it's going to be very helpful. That's why I'm going to share it. I've waited all these years to tell you about it. And today is the day. In 1997, I announced on a Sunday morning in church that we were going to build a great big youth center called the Arena Action Park. The architect was sitting in the service, somebody I had never met before. And he came to me afterwards, introduced himself, and said that he would like to offer his services free of charge that he would then design the project and oversee and manage the project all free of charge. He was so excited about this youth project. I assumed that since he's not charging us, this was an open door from the Lord. I didn't have to pray about it because he has this so-called, he must have been a Christian, he's in church after all, right? And uh, now he's giving us a lot of money for nothing by designing this entire project and then supervising it. So once the drawings were done, we put it out for tender. And the architect told me only one company had tendered, and that was, happened to be a friend of his. And he recommended the man's integrity. So we accepted the architect's word for that. And he started working. 24 months later, this building was standing on the church property. The city had not been to inspect this building. The builder had not invited the city to come in and inspect the building. Not the foundations, not the plumbing, nor the electrical, nor the walls, nor the roof. Nothing had been inspected. I only found out much later. And whenever it rained, that building was flooded inside, and it was a huge building, huge building. It must have been, in total, four or 5,000 square feet. No, sorry, fifty to 60,000 square feet. Now, I told the architect 
and the construction company that we were not going to pay for any construction anymore. We'd paid up until that point, until such time that they'd invited the city to come in and do their inspections, because if they had done so, this building would not be such Correct. a wreck. In fact, when you stand at the walls inside one of the main halls, the wall is about three stories high, and um, the walls look like a dog's hind leg. And uh, you could see with the naked eye that it was, was messed up. So we said we are not going to pay any more money until they fixed the building and brought up to par. And uh, we received a letter from the lawyers of the builder demanding that we pay or apply to their letter in seven days. So I called a board meeting, and I, we had a lawyer that we were employing, working for the church. They never attended the church, and they were there. So we discussed this with the board and the lawyer, and said we'd like to reply to the builder's letter from their lawyers within the seven-day period, and say, look, According to our contract, we are instructed to go to arbitrators. This is a group of quantity surveyors who evaluate your problem and sort things out between the builder and the church. And that the contract said we would not go to lawyers. So the lawyer told us that, which we knew. Even the builder knew that, but he sent his lawyer's letter. So we said, look, even so, we still need to reply to this letter. And our lawyer said, listen, I'm saying do not reply to the lawyer's letter. And if you want to reply to it, then I'm walking out, get yourself a new lawyer. That was our second mistake. We should have said goodbye, farewell, it's nice to know you. <laughs> we never did, and we never replied took the lawyer's advice, even though none of us on the board agreed with that advice. And uh, so we had to appear in court. And we went. And to my surprise, we lost the case. And the court said, the reason you lost the case is because you never replied within the seven-day period to that lawyer's letter. Even though the contract said, go to arbitration, we should have replied to the lawyer's letter, so they threw our matter out and said we were responsible for the fees of the builder, and we still had to pay him past dues, whatever we still owed him. So we went to see a senior advocate in Pretoria and asked his advice. And he recommended that we go to the Supreme Court of South Africa. And we did. We took along with us a whole bunch of people from the city, inspectors and QSs, all fighting or batting for us. 
And we were expecting that the court would give us the opportunity of stating our case. And we would have wanted hands down, we had pictures to show them everything. But these judges, there are I think seven of them in the Supreme Court, said, we can't allow you to debate or argue your case because you did not reply within seven days. So because of that technicality, we're throwing this case out of court and the church is liable for your court fees and for the builder's legal fees and the church is now instructed to pay all costs for the, for the uh, construction. So we lost hands down that court case. It cost us a lot of money, you can imagine. Not only fees, but also we had to tear down that building. It was this very sad day. We had a board meeting, and a pastor requested to see us. And he said to the board that this builder and this architect had done exactly the same thing to three other churches in the city of Janesburg and won every single court case. Now, I can tell you the story 22 years after it happened because it's far enough away. But he has the sad reality. I did not pray about it. I expected this to be an open door from God because we're getting free advice, free design, free management offered to us by this architect. We also found out from that same pastor came and told us after all this had happened that two or three other builders did tender for that job and had better prices and they were reputable companies. But of course, our architect never told us about that. So, not every open door is from God. Jesus said, Satan is the God of this world. In John 14, verse 30, so Satan can use his agents to totally destroy us if we don't listen to God's guidance. Satan wants to take you out of the word of God. He doesn't want you to hear the word of faith. He doesn't want you to hear teaching like this. He'll try and take you out of the church if he can. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus told us the devil will come to steal the word out of the heart of the believer. He's afraid. He knows that the word puts faith in your heart. And when your faith is up, your shield protects you from every fiery dart of the devil and he can't hurt you. And he knows that the word will help you find God's guidance for your life. So he'll bring strife in the church if he can so that people leave and don't hear the good word. Or he'll offer them jobs in another city 
so people leave and don't hear the good word. Don't the devil do that. Don't let him do that to you. I want to encourage everybody to get my book, How to Recognize the Voice of God, and study it with your Bible over and over. Please make sure you don't make a similar mistake in your life. It's not necessary. The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. That's in the Bible. Romans 8.14 says so. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says so. Romans 8.27 says so. John 16.13 says so. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says so. John 10.27 tells us that God leads us by His Spirit in our heart. Not by fleeces. Not by open and closed doors. In the Old Testament, that was fine. But in the New Covenant, God's Spirit lives in you and now guides you from within your heart. So get my book, learn how to follow the Holy Ghost who's in you and forget about fleeces and open doors. They're going to get you into trouble. I promise you right now, the devil can fiddle with that, but he can't fiddle with the Holy Ghost inside your heart. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, I want to be sure I know Jesus. I want to be sure I'll go to heaven one day. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Please say this little prayer with me. Dear Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Save my life. I declare you are the Lord of my life. And I live for you with all my heart until I see you on that wonderful day. Praise God. Thank you for saving me and for giving me. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer from the heart, we'll see you in heaven. So from Pastor Bev and me, we love you very much. We are praying for you continually. And uh, we're trusting that we will be with you soon in South Africa. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 